Sandy. What's up? How you doing? What week is this for you? Oh, I think I'm on week three of quarantine. All right. Quarantine. <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm entering week five. This is the end of week four for me. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here we are. <laughs> New normal. I don't I don't know about you cuz you know you got a bit of distance from from the what's going on in Canada but I've just been spending the last week kind of brooding on on one of our favorite topics on this show. Ooh. Do tell. I am just getting like like every hour more frustrated and disappointed with liberal schemes. <laughs> Oh, trust me. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Me too. I have family members who are laid off this week. And so thinking about all of the ways that the liberals have made the benefits uh, that people can access difficult to access (laughs) has really, Mm -hmm. really been grinding my gears. Yeah, but Sandy, there's no way in Canada to give people money directly. It has to go through existing social programs. Didn't you hear? Oh, yeah. that That's why our taxes, uh, that's exactly how our taxes work. Did you know? <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> anyway, I, let's you know, thank the people before we get into the thing, because <laughs> we could we could just start, we, we could be on this for a minute. <laughs> well, we will be, I think. Eh? <laughs> yes, we shall. Yeah, this uh, this past week there've been so there's been so much support for the podcast. It's just been really awesome. And so for sure before we start, we have to thank a whole bunch of people, especially because you know these are hard times. There's certainly harder times uh, for both of us uh, than we're used to. And um, and so every dollar really does help. And we read names based on people kind of changing their their donations as well. So if you ever really feel like you want to have your name read out every week, like just change your your, your donation, like, you know, go from three <laughs> bucks to one buck and then up to two. And um, and also shout out uh, to, to some folks who who gave us uh, kind of bizarre amounts of money, like not round numbers. I really love that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I see those come through and I'm like, what's that about? Yeah, <laughs> I also would like more. So feel free to let us know. But um, I want to specifically thank Maureen, Alex, Allison, Greg, Tyler, Wendy, Adriano, Beloved Make Music, Anna, Cecile, Kristen, Irene. I mean, it's been really, really amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, we really appreciate you. And we are so happy that you have chosen us to join you in what can be a pretty lonely time. I know that I have been listening to a lot of podcasts. And so I, you know, I'm very grateful that people uh, find uh, meaning and humor, hopefully, and information uh, from us during this time. Feels good. So thanks for that. Totally. Totally. And last week we had also, or maybe it was the week before, we'd also asked if people wanted to reach out and like say that they are looking to connect with other folks in this kind of these bizarre times. So thanks to everyone that did uh, extend the offer to connect with other people. We really appreciate that too. Okay. So now liberal schemes. Liberal schemes. <laughs> Our favorite, favorite topic. I, I can't, like, 
what is with the liberal party and liberals and their brains? I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's like, let's think about what the, the most obvious, fastest way to support people would be at this time. Give everybody what they need. Give everybody what we can afford to give them to support them because everybody's going to be touched by this. Mm. But what have they done instead? What have these people done instead? They have made it so difficult to access some of these resources. There's like rules for uh, the means testing. Uh, there's rules for what days you can apply. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, I just, you know, like if it's that difficult, maybe just don't do the whole rules thing. Maybe just, I don't know. Like, am I missing something? I think you're missing the part of your brain that is, like, really schemy. Yeah, I clearly am. And you know what? Okay, like, <laughs> there are some things where they seem to have, they seem to get it, you know? Like, um, there's, <laughs> I mean, not really. Like, <laughs> there's, I'm just, like, looking at the list of different measures that they've made. And, you know, there's the the pausing on the student loans is universal. They're not going to try to figure out which, you know, as they usually do, which students uh, can afford to pay the loans off and which students cannot. They're just they're just pausing that universally. Sure. Why yeah. not? Why not also also, <laughs> you know, give out the CERB um, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. That's what it resp uh, it stands for, right? Relief? 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 Benefit? I don't know. Maybe the CERB. The, 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 the CERB. The CERB. Why not give that one out also automatically? Like, um, there's this this GST, um, an increase to, a one-time increase to the GST uh, tax credit, which, oh, I wonder how they're doing that. Do you have to apply for that? Or like the tax credit one? Is that, how are they distributing that? You know, that'll that, that go to anyone to, that gets it. Yeah. So but that means, oh, they do have a way to distribute. OK, interesting. They yeah. do have a way to it's distribute <laughs> money automatically to people without them applying. That is so confusing to me because I thought anyway, that one is going to be given automatically depending on how much you make. Um, it's distributed automatically. So I just don't understand why they can't do that for the CRB, for the CERB. Yeah, let's let's back up because I, I I feel sorry. Like I just ranted before before we got into <laughs> making sure that people knew. I love no no no. It's so good, it's so good because because you are where I'm at. I'm at where you're at. But I'm not totally sure that everyone listening is going to necessarily be at the same place because the last what three weeks, two weeks, the the consensus among the media establishment has been really to not press too hard on these issues, to wait for more information, to ask questions that aren't necessarily critical, but are like, how, how is this going to work? Uh, you know, questions that need to be asked, but that aren't challenging power. And and even the, the opposition politicians have not been able to be that critical. I mean, Andrew Scheer has been trying a little bit to be critical. He's been trying to get Justin Trudeau to stop his daily briefings and actually bring that into a more formal parliamentary space where the opposition can challenge him, which is like fucking obviously, guys, Andrew Shear's right for the first time in his fucking life. Like that absolutely should be what they're mm -hmm. doing right now. And and so this episode, we are hoping to kind of like 
give you that analysis that you're not going to get pretty much anywhere else and talk about why these measures are so ineffective, inefficient, and why we all could have had our money three weeks ago, two weeks ago, rather than nothing, nothing yet, nothing yet. And I think that it makes the most sense for us to spend a lot of time on the CERB and also on the wage subsidy, because that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you want to get back to the CERB rant, because like, that's cool. I mean, I feel like I ranted sufficiently (laughs) about the CERB, but I just, you know, like, I just want people to know that there were choices that the liberals could have made. You know, like, they're they're getting a lot of good press and, you know, uh, support, public support for um, making these emergency measures available. And, of course... The doing the bare minimum of not doing nothing, I suppose, is good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there, there, there should be some uh, critique leveled onto the liberals uh, because of the way that they've chosen to do this. They could have chosen a whole bunch of different ways to um, address the need that most uh, people in Canada find themselves in right now. And it seems as though they've chosen one of the most onerous ways to do that. And I, uh, you know, I just I think that that is unforgivable at a time like now where people uh, really don't know, you know, if they're going to have enough to survive in the next couple months. And when we we might be in the situation that we're in uh, for half a year to two years at uh, some of the best estimates. Yeah, there's two different kinds of decisions that have to be made right now and there's there's the the decisions that are being led by public health that all jurisdictions have implemented those are the social distancing measures they're the um measures within grocery stores measures around around hospitals like things that are going to hopefully reduce the spread of the coronavirus uh in in our public spaces in our hospitals in long-term care facilities whatever and on all of those decisions, like those those decisions were made very quickly, right? Banning uh, gathering of people uh, and all this, like how far away you're supposed to be from each other. Those were made very quickly. And now what we're seeing is like the political decision on how you enforce these things, which I think we should talk about, although maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. Then you have the questions about the economy and people's lives. And that's where every single decision that the liberals are making and have made and will make need to be very closely scrutinized because, you know, talking about giving everybody money, it seems so simple and it is simple and it is unbelievable that the liberals resisted doing that because the CERB, as we know, the CERB, it is extremely restrictive. And so if you lost 90% of your work, you're not eligible. If you were unemployed previously, you were looking for work, you're you're not eligible. If you have only made $5,000 in the last year, you're not eligible. If you're a student who had a job lined up and the job uh, disappeared, you're not eligible. If you made any money in the last period of time, you won't be eligible. And so it's like, okay, that obviously is going to be tens of thousands of people who fall through that crack. And it's like, for what? Like, if we had just given every single Canadian, I don't know, $1,000 a week, let's say, which is double what the what the CERB will give them. If we just gave every single Canadian $1,000 a week, 
And the next year, everyone was taxed. And so people that made six figures had to give it all back. And the people that didn't get to keep a big chunk of that, if not all of it, why would not have that been the most efficient measure to help have a, a rapid cash injection into people's pockets to be able to pay for rent and pay for food? You know, and like some of the measures that you have um, outlined that are not getting pressed, like people aren't hearing about that in the news, um, just don't make any sense, even beyond just means testing. Like, why are you relying on um, information about uh, whether or not people were searching for jobs before this uh, crisis hit in order to make a decision about eligibility? Obviously, the crisis hitting changes people's material realities. Like, I don't, <laughs> why, 100%. why would you rely on the, um, the previous kind of measures of how you can be eligible for EI, which, you know, you have to be searching for a job in this new reality? Maybe, maybe something has happened where now you've decided, maybe you weren't looking for a job before, but now you've decided you need to uh, take um, uh, someone from your family who is uh, living in a long-term care facility, you've decided to pull them out of that long-term care facility, take them home. And because uh, you are now providing that care, you need, you need money. You need a job. Like there's all sorts of reasons why relying on the world that existed two months ago to make decisions, three months ago to make decisions about eligibility for an emergency benefit makes no sense right now. No sense right now. I just, it, it, it really, I, when I say that I feel like it's unforgivable, I really do mean that. I think it's unforgivable because the amount of people uh, who are going to be left in a lurch as a result of the government doing things in this way really doesn't make any sense. And we need the people who are supposed to be critiquing this, uh, the NDP, the conservatives, whatever, you know, like, to, to actually be doing that. And we need, we need good journalists. <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, I'm not upset at the journalists who are out there right now. I just know that uh, the ones who are not able to report on these things are a lot of the freelancers who are probably going to be affected by these things or who have family members who are affected by these things um, in ways uh, that other, the, the more privileged journalism, journalists aren't. And so I just, it just seems so obvious. It seems so fucking obvious to me. Um, and I don't know who's making these decisions or in what conversation, what the conversations look like where somebody can come up uh, with an eligibility requirement like these and, and not say, dude, that's ridiculous. You know, the problem though, is that this actually does make perfect sense. And this is how I think that we need to think about this. If what about this makes perfect sense? <laughs> if your you goal, <laughs> you're going to, you'll go, oh yeah, okay, obviously, Nora. If your goal is to have a rapid cash injection into the economy so that everybody can survive, this makes no sense. If your goal is to simply retrench all of the social inequalities that already exist within society, that have always existed within Canadian society, and to make sure that the world does not get transformed into some other situation when this is all said and done, then of course you're going to scheme your way into economic stimulus. Like, 
the liberals have a social project and they want to make sure that that social project doesn't get disrupted. And this is an incredible moment of disruption. And it can go to the left. It could go to the right. We've talked about this already on the on the podcast. And the liberals know that more than anybody else. And their measures have made sure that there will be no social change to how society is segmented. There will be no money given to poor people directly. What are we going to do instead of giving money to poor people directly? We're just going to increase that GST uh, money that they get maybe uh, every four months. Uh, We're not even going to say how much we're increasing it by. You'll just have to wait and see. And, oh, we're going to give $100 million to food banks so that you still have to go and line up and wait to get your free food. You know, it's it's in these kinds of measures that we can actually see exactly what the liberals are thinking. And they don't want anything about the society to change, even though, and this is why it's so dangerous for them, all of the lies about society have been laid bare. And so, you know, the, the CERB is what a lot of people have focused on because there's so many glaring holes. One of the programs that people have focused far less on is the wage subsidy, which is going to award white men more because they have higher salaries on average than racialized women, than black women, than indigenous women, and then then people with disabilities and women with disabilities. Okay, but let's back up and explain uh, the wage subsidy. Right. So because... Trudeau doesn't want people to be all off the fat of the land of the CERB. They have also announced that they will be subsidizing people's wages at 75%. And so they're going to give money to your employer and you're going to have to pray to God that your employer is like, yes, I will hire him back at uh, his normal wage. And the government is going to be giving me 75% of that normal wage up to a ceiling of about $58,000. If I've got that number, if it's off, it's only off by a couple hundred dollars. And so underneath that $58,000 ceiling, uh, people's wages are going to be subsidized at what they were previously. It forces you to have total reliance on the whim of your boss it forces you to hope that your boss like is just going to hire you even if there's literally no work. I mean, it's a ridiculous notion. A lot of people are out of work, not because there's no money, but because there's literally nothing to do at work. And this is being seen as a social program rather than, again, just giving people that money directly. Now, here's here's the thing that I've seen some people um, you, has ha- support this because they're like, okay, but if you give it as a wage subsidy, then people don't lose their jobs. People aren't laid off. People aren't aren't fired because um, they they get to maintain their job for when we all get out of this, which is like would make sense if it came with legislation uh, like some other countries are doing putting a moratorium on layoffs in addition, like if you get this, if you get this benefit for your workers, you must not lay them off. Like if it came with that stipulation, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just like, why wouldn't it? <laughs> like if you're going to do it that way, and if that is going to be the thing that is of benefit to people, like I can understand the logic behind people uh, critiquing the critiquers by saying, like, look, uh, this way people get to keep their jobs. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But only if the government makes sure that that's what's going to happen. But they haven't. And it's not. So it just goes directly to the employers, which does what for you and I? Ah! (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the, this is a huge benefit that's being given to employers. I mean, Trudeau was like, there will be consequences if people misuse this money. And it's like, my guy, every fucking shit employer in this country will be misusing this money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you say, like, you know, and his example, which was just so great, you know, your family restaurant is, is this is going to let them stay open. And it's like, OK, to, again, to do to do what? I mean, if you're going to subsidize people, then subsidize people don't subsidize their jobs, because this is only, again, reinforcing this shit fucking sandwich of an economy that we had previously. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that yeah everything is on pause but as you say not 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 even not even really no yeah it just it just seems so fucking short-sighted and I, like this the the wage subsidy to me makes uh like less sense than the CERB because it doesn't come with the additional measures that I've already mentioned but also because it seems to not really understand the as you say you know the current reality that we're living in like people are not going to work because they, one, shouldn't be, but also because you keep scolding us on TV about it, too. So, like, you should know um, that this is what the reality is right now. So yeah. how can this possibly be the way that you're going to inject money um, uh, into the economy back to people? Like, it's just... I mean, I know, as you say, like... Yes, it makes perfect sense if your goal is to maintain the structure of society. But why the fuck would that be your goal right now? Like, it, it's not doing so hot, you know? It's, it's not helping us out right now. So why the fuck would that be your goal right now? But this is, this is the, the quintessence of the Liberal Party of Canada, <laughs> Sandy. <sighs> right? I, the, like, we are so lucky to also be kind of witnessing... All of the lies that underpin everything within society crumbling, right? Yeah. The idea that the Liberal Party of Canada is a progressive party is is a is a fucking lie. It's the only way they get elected, and they never ever follow up on any of their promises. And much worse than that, they make things more shit. And so you look at, I mean, you know, both of us lived in Ontario under the heydays of Dalton McGuinty. Everything was always compared to Mike Harris being so terrible. McGuinty was so much better. And then now you see that these that these breakouts of coronavirus are happening within long-term care facilities in Ontario. And you're like, who the fuck let the system get so bad that care in these homes is so inadequate? It's like, Oh, I wish we had warnings. It's like the unions have been warning about this for years. The staff have been warning about this for years. There have been yep. no shortage of commissions that have been warning us about this for years. There was a fucking serial murderer who only was able to do her shit because of these problems. And there was a commission on that. And, and the problems were identified and named. And here we are just witnessing a slow march towards a lot of death. And it is so frustrating. And the liberals have so much of the blame that, I mean, to separate the blame out from underfunding our public services and their austerity policies across the country in, in so many different ways, in British Columbia, in Quebec as well, in Nova Scotia, the conservatives obviously fuck them so superiorly fucking more. Probably the NDP too. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> 
and then you see then the liberals saying, okay, and we're going to be the, the the steady hand that 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 fixes everything, and by fixing everything, we're going to force you to to self quarantine if you can, force you to work if you can't, and we're not even going to pay you to stay in your home. We're not going to give you food to stay in your home. We are actually going to call in the military to make sure that if you are outside of your home, you will be harassed by the police, or by, or, or by the military, whoever the hell they hire to harass you. Well, which also just seems like the worst policy, just to just to jump a little bit off of the, the benefits discussion. It's like, mm, OK, so let me just be very, very fucking clear to anyone who doesn't get it about how like this fucking disease transmission works. You cannot force people to listen to. Uh, the uh, these measures, like the, the things that they should be doing, the physical distancing that uh, they should be doing in order to prevent transmission without changing the structures that require them to leave their home to make money, okay? You can't force them. And if you think that you can through fines, let me tell you how fines are not going to matter to people if they can't, don't have money to pay rent, if they don't have money to buy food. You levy a fine, it's just going to be like, ha-ha, Another thing I will not pay. If you have police going to enforce uh, people from being outside your home, what you're going to do is spread transmission. That's what's going to happen. There is no easy way around this. You have to change the structure of society or it's going to get worse. There is an outbreak um, in a uh, community in Southern California that is literally just based on police trying to keep people in their homes. (laughs) <laughs> you can't do it that way. It just won't work. No, It's like, go ahead and try. But it's just going to make things more uh, difficult. It's going to help to spread the disease. You need to change the structure of society to make it so that people don't, do not have to leave their homes. Yeah, there's there's the whole side of this, of course, that there's then you also have over policing of, of certain communities. We already know that there's been incidences of anti-black racism in employing these uh, charges against people, anti-indigenous racism as well. Then there's the whole other side that like, I don't know how we've gotten here, but like the rise of fake news and the popularity of like just total lie news websites needs to tell a lot of us in society that you just can't repeat the truth over and over and that hope that that will be good enough right like people will are flushing latex fucking gloves <laughs> like sorry what this is a new problem in canada is that people are flushing latex gloves they're flushing things that you should absolutely not flush like masks and it's showing up in in sewer systems people need to have other ways of being convinced to do stuff that isn't just ads on the CBC every hour telling us to wash our hands because you can wash your hands and all you want until they're raw. And then all of a sudden your grandmother dies and you're like, but I washed my hands. This is where I think like the the media has been the most negligent because there's a smugness to the, to, to, to many uh, people within uh, the mainstream press that is like, well, obviously you shouldn't do these things. Obviously you shouldn't be outside in a group. Obviously you shouldn't be flushing your latex gloves. And, you know, I say the same thing too. Obviously you should not be doing these things, but people do them. There's reasons that people do them. Sometimes there's no reason that people do them. But if we want a nationally coordinated quarantine that keeps people inside their houses, you need to make sure that they are getting food and they are getting paid. We should be paid to stay at home. 
And it's perfect because we have a tax system that will then take some of that money back next year to make sure Mm -hmm. that then that money goes back into the federal system. This is the whole reason that we have a fucking tax system that that works in this way. And if you're not going to pay us to quarantine, you can't expect people to quarantine. And instead, you're going to be like, well, we're going to make you pay that you're going to pay because you didn't quarantine. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, and I think that there there also has to be an understanding uh, somehow that, yes, we're under quarantine and, yes, we should be seeing people, but some people actually do need to see other people to survive. And so there needs to be a way to um, account for that. Uh, if you, uh, you know, are when, when I was younger, um, there was an older man who lived across the hall from us um, in my apartment building who we would... Uh, we had this relationship where we would check up on him and um, he would check up on us sometimes. And it was just like this, the, you know, the way that um, people are living less in this way now, um, but maybe was more common in the past. But some people still live that way where um, some of your uh, the requirements, the needs of how you live is based on other people in your community. And if that's the case, um, then, you know, like some of these measures, the more draconian measures, the more punitive measures uh, are don't help and aren't going to work. Like there needs to be a, to, to be some sort of some understanding for the fact that everybody's situation might be different. And it may still be um, a reduction of, of physical contact in the way that we need it to be at the same time as taking care of one another in the way that we need to take care of one another. Totally. I've been thinking a lot about this for teenagers and young Mm -hmm. adults where it's Mm -hmm. like, this is the group of people who are, you know, statistically the least affected by the disease. And therefore like, you can't really use the same scare kind of tactics. They're also like, fuck you (laughs) when you tell them what to do, Mm -hmm. which is what is like why they are so awesome. But you know, you can't tell a 17 year old that they have to stay in their apartment for five months. Like you can. uh, And if that 17 year old has parents that's able to like fully control and convince them to not leave the apartment, then okay, then that might work. But by and large, that's not going to work. So so yeah, what are those community based approaches to allow people to still socialize, but in a way that is not going to to transmit this, the the illness, because if you don't have them, then they will hang out, they'll hang out in corridors, they'll hang out outside, and they'll be too close together. Um, Mm -hmm. But instead, the whole message is, no, 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 separate, separate, separate. You guys are able to do this. It's like, yes, you know, most adults are able to do this. Uh, Some folks are not adults (laughs) and some folks are not able to do it. And there hasn't been at all a conversation about how to help those people find other ways. And it's not good enough to just be like, oh, just, you know, have a a Zoom meeting or whatever, because it's it's that's not real life. And I think that more and more people are realizing that online interactions aren't uh, a substitute for, for for real life. The other thing is like the the um, um, and I I guess this is, again, a little bit off uh, the benefits topic. But the other thing is that uh, for some people going home actually uh, is not physical distancing in the way that uh, people want it to be. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some people uh, live in multifamily homes. Um, where a lot of people will be uh, required to go out because they are working in the types of jobs that have been deemed essential for this time. Um, and in fact, uh, the, the way that we think of going home and isolating is not isolating at all to some, to some folks. Um, if you are using the shelter system, uh, going home and isolating is not 
physical distancing in the way that uh, we've been told that we need to be doing physical distancing. And so for uh, for those folks, you know, the, the ways in which our society has uh, created uh, housing precarity and housing situations where people are reliant on being around other people in order to survive, in order to have shelter at all, you know, like the, the measures that the government has announced hasn't really thought about those things. Yeah, totally. At all. My favorite thing in all this is the the times that the government decides to legislate something and the times that they like just say, oh, pretty, pretty, please, pretty, please. Can you defer mortgages? Oh, pretty, pretty, please. Can you <laughs> reduce financial burden on people? That has also been very uh, illuminative of, of where the liberals head is yeah. at. Um, because these they really want to make sure that businesses are doing their part. I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't know how much of the Team Canada messaging you've heard? Mm, no, I haven't heard much. Okay, this has been, like, Trudeau's thing this last week, uh, where where they're, like, talking about the Team Canada effort to really, yeah, beat the coronavirus. It takes Team Canada. all oh, this kind of bullshit. It's like the patriotic... Uh, sentimentality is just so nauseating. It makes me want to just like bash myself in the head with a hockey stick. Um, and they're they're like doing these like announcements about getting get get in with Team Canada, like Bauer, Bauer, uh, as Chris Hall at the CBC, who I like just can't stop criticizing on Twitter because he's so terrible, said the iconic hockey brand Bauer on the CBC, and I, I fucking hope that at least the public broadcaster is getting paid to say that, but. These companies, like they're with like a lot of like, oh, please, we need your help. You got to step up. Companies see the writing on the wall. They see that people are fucking pissed and they can see that, oh, you've been underpaying us for years. And all of a sudden during a crisis, you've got enough money to boost our wages by two dollars an hour. Wow, that's really interesting. And so corporations like much would prefer no legislation to force them to change track. And instead, you know, Bauer is going to start making uh, face shields because we need them. And companies are going to start pivoting towards making things that we need and they're going to get good press. And this is all good news. Why in the fuck are they not legislating some of this stuff? Mm -hmm. Because I know that there's auto workers uh, in in Ingersoll, Ontario, who are laid off. They have an assembly line. They could be building something. Uh, Where is the government thinking about like like planning our economy in that way? Uh, The whole fight with the United States over the masks, Mm -hmm. over the N95 masks Mm -hmm. that that uh, Trump was going to block. I mean, Trump is obviously going to block. He's like the guy is building an air pirate force like that's obvious. And as more people die in the United States, Trump is going to try and snake medical equipment from tons of different countries in tons of different ways. And so Canada needs to be very fucking (laughs) aware that things might get worse for the United States. And then all the the smug Canadians, well, the raw materials for the N95 masks come from uh, the western part of Canada. Like, that's from our forest uh, industry. It's like, why in the fuck has NAFTA made it such that the only thing we're capable of doing is ripping stuff out of the ground? We don't have factories who can then make the masks themselves. And so that whole discussion has been completely absent from this as well, where the government should be legislating corporations to do what we need them to do rather than relying on their on their benevolence. And, and, and in that vein, the idea that they've they've formed a, a special partnership with Amazon <laughs> to distribute this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just like what what the fu- like read the fucking room, guys. <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, that 
I mean, I, you, you um, talked about that on Facebook, and there was a lot of back and forth from, from people who didn't seem to understand why that would be bad. So, like, let's kind of spell it out. <laughs> um, people were like, you know, like Nora mentioned on Facebook, on her social media, that, look, you know, the government does not have to use Amazon to distribute materials. We have uh, Canada Post that could be doing that work. And people said, well, Amazon uses Canada Post. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Amazon sometimes uses Canada Post. So why do we need them? <laughs> right. It's like, why does Amazon need a contract to do these things? It's because they don't always use Canada Post. And what the government is doing is instead of creating a measure uh, where our delivery um, possibilities could be expanded or giving that responsibility to Canada Post. Um, they're giving that responsibility to, to somebody who already has it in a private way. Um, in, and they are going to stand to make tons of profits off of that. Where oh, no, we... but it said that it's at cost, Sandy. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it does say that. It literally says that in the press release. Nothing's at cost, okay? That doesn't, <laughs> like, fuck the press release. Like, I want, uh, for the journalists to listen, somebody needs to tr trace that money. Somebody has to trace oh, that yeah. money and track that because nothing is at cost. Nothing is at cost. Um, fuck, like, the if, if Canada Post has deficiencies with respect to uh, delivering things, now is the time to beef that up. Duh. Yes. Like, now is the time to beef that up because it should never, be the, never have been the case and should never happen again. And if it's possible for a private company to do it, then it is possible for the public to do it. And we should have that capability in place immediately when there is an emergency and f always. There's no reason why Amazon needs to be used, especially when we know that they are treating their worker. They are not treating their workers well. And especially when we know that the, the working conditions are dangerous, uh, you know, like people are organizing strikes in the middle of a worldwide uh, crisis like it is hard to organize a strike in the best of times. It is really fucking hard to organize a strike right now. And people are doing that against Amazon. And our government is partnering with them. What does that say? You raise such an important point that is like, you know, now is the time that Canada Post needs to have this expansion. And, and all these people are like, oh, we can't do it now. Now is not, not the right time to, to, to expand Canada Post to be able to do, you know, the warehousing or, or the packaging, I guess, was some of the arguments that people were saying that Amazon has the special ability to do. It's like, sorry, the, the government just announced that every fucking Canadian Armed Forces reservist is going to now be a full-time employee of the Armed Forces they could have just announced that they would be doing distribution just as easily. Um, mm -hmm. That's a whole labor pool that existed just today that didn't exist yesterday or the day before. But more than that, I mean, so I got really raked over the coals on this on, on Twitter, and it was all from the liberal Twitter realm, but it was really vicious and it was really relentless. I was really actually quite surprised by how organized it was. I mean, Amazon pays for good PR, and so I'm sure a chunk of it was just that. But it's like, sorry, so we have a pandemic. People are dying. People are going to die. We absolutely need um, critical materials uh, to get from place A to place B as fast as possible. Okay. 
You're telling me that the Canadian government does not have that capability and we have to rely on the world's largest and most evil motherfucking corporation? Are you are you kidding me? Like, that's the level of our security? That's like outsourcing fucking relief work to, like, a vigilante army of, of Americans or something. <laughs> like, yeah. this is where it is the most mind-boggling, where we absolutely need to have overs- government oversight to have have the have good jobs people are able to complain about bad working conditions or or whatever we have the bones of that in infrastructure in place and instead the government goes with with amazon uh, amazon canada for the people who were who were defending that decision like you just need to think 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 to yourself what is the incentive for amazon canada to do any of this with people in mind there is none. And in fact, the way that a private business works, they cannot have that as their primary goal. Their primary goal has to be profits, okay? They have to look through these things and figure out where the efficiencies are, how they can do things in, in, a, in a manner that increases their profits. The government does not have that restraint. Amazon doesn't have the information for where people are or any like sort of uh, statistics about which communities in Canada will need to be prioritized or whatever, unless the government gives it to them. And if the government gives that to them, what are they going to use it for later? It's like there's all sorts of concerns around this that just don't make sense that it's like you have to know everyone. Like I know that people really want to believe that everyone's heart is in the good in, is in the right place right now but you have to know that the government can do what they want if they prioritize it the things that we're talking about are possible they've just decided to go in a different direction you have to know that like the 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 discussions that we were having last year about what was possible you can now see today how quickly those things are possible so you know that we're trustworthy we're telling you to trust <laughs> us i'm telling you to trust us on this one as well they did not have to use amazon there were other ways that they could have um, uh, uh, accomplished the goals and better. And I'm really, really, really hoping um, that there are some journalists who have been uh, charged with with following the money on this and uh, and following how this goes, because I am willing to bet that in a few months we're going to hear about some of the ways that this uh, was done incorrectly. Absolutely. And, and even if... This whole like Amazon's doing this at cost, which yeah, their cost includes profit, right? That's that's people need to expect that. That this information, the network that they're establishing, this is the long game for them, and they want to come out the other side, like any corporation wants to come out the other side of this pandemic, stronger and more profitable. Like that is their goal, which is why you actually don't want the private sector involved in service provision in a crisis. Like that, that's the, that's the, that's the reason why we actually want the government to be the one to make these decisions. I mean, there's no better ridiculous example of, of this than the request to delay mortgages and the request to reduce interest rates for credit cards. I mean, the government could have been like, Hey banks, guess what? Everyone's fucked right now. No mortgages. You're going to put it all on pause. Yeah. They could have done that. And actually they easily could have done that because the bank's have a lot of profits and yeah. they can fuck themselves yeah. maybe for a month. Yeah. They didn't do that. They didn't do no. that. Instead, they told people, yeah, if you're selected, if you're selected by the bank's criteria and who the fuck knows what those criteria are, 
And, you know, I had friends that, that applied for this and it took them an hour to two hours on the phone with their banks to see if they were eligible. Mm-hmm. You still had to pay for the interest accumulated in the in the initial rollout of this kind of plan, I guess. They were just like, oh, we'll just defer, right? It's not going to be interest free. We'll just defer your rates. It just Since means then, higher monthly payments later down the road, which you're probably not going to be able to make because the economy's tanking. It, it's just it doesn't make any sense and the the fact like on their website on the government of canada's uh website around cor- coronavirus uh support there is a um a section that is called mortgage support even though the government has nothing to do with any of this <laughs> zero oh, but they asked they they asked really really politely it says canadian banks have committed to work with their customers on a case by case basis you, you have to click on something to get to that information. Like you have to like open it up, whatever. <laughs> it seems like it seems like the government uh, has a mortgage support. It's like a PR exercise. It seems like the banks do. If you go on their website, it'll be like, we're supporting you through this difficult time. But then you get on the phone for two hours and find out, oh, not exactly. I don't qualify or, oh, I do qualify, but I have to make more. You're you're going to make more money in the end off of this. Well, and they they got negative (laughs) press from this. And so they changed that little policy. And so now you can, if you're accepted, uh, defer your mortgage without cost. So it was like, cool. Why the fuck do we have to go through two weeks of this rather than the government just legislating this? You know, this is a government that is best friends with the corporate world. And so every single decision that they made make needs to be seen through that lens. And a final example of Amazon, for those of you who are really super trusting them still, like I just, I want, like maybe you're thinking, oh, but remember all those price gougers who were using Amazon? Uh, Remember how Amazon stopped them? Like maybe their hearts are in the right place. Let me tell you um, what that actually was, just so that you know, like here's an example from this time of how uh, this organization works. Amazon... uh, in addition to all those other price gougers, like Amazon was also price gouging. They saw the demand go up for, for Purell and for um, cleaning products and whatever and increased their price points too. They just didn't do it ridiculously like some of these fucking assholes did. <laughs> and then when they found out that some of these fucking assholes did and were making a higher profit than they were, that's when they cut them. Okay, like it wasn't some just like, oh, super altruistic way. Like if the demand has gone up, shouldn't the price go down? Isn't that how economies are supposed to work? Shouldn't it all be like five cents for Purell right now? Like I don't understand. No, (laughs) that's not what they did. They also increased their prices. Do not be fooled, okay? These companies don't give a shit about us. These companies don't give a shit about us. (laughs) I, I, I want to I'm going to try to say something that's positive um, because I think that there's a lot of things that are super positive about this moment, like all things considered. Right. Like in context, I'm in school right now. There is so, nothing positive about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other mm. issue, isn't it? Yeah, I like we are going to be disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. We already are. Uh, anybody who's laid off uh, in mid-March has not had a paycheck and will not be paid by the uh, wage subsidy until mid-April at the earliest. So that's like, uh, you know, getting no, sorry, mid-May at the earliest because they said it would take six weeks to, to, to come online. And so that's basically asking Canadians to go for two months without a wage. It is it's comforting. I know it's comforting to give politicians the benefit of the doubt right now because it's really hard to think that people would be so uh, incompetent or so evil or whatever to do some of the things that we've said that they are doing. 
Um, but they are. I mean, this is a system that I- insists on 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 promoting certain people at the expense of other people, giving making some people rich at the expense of making some people completely destitute and desperate. And it is no different today. That is no less true today than it was two months ago. The difference is that the liberals have more ability to make more radical changes because radical changes are necessary. And so we have to stay really vigilant with all levels of government because, of course, we talk about the federal government, the provincial governments, but all have their own programs as well that all need to be criticized, too. They're also no one is doing enough, really, for people. We have to be that critical voice and and resist the urge to stay quiet right now because it is now that if we don't speak out, things will get absolutely worse, not just with the pandemic, but, but things will get worse for different communities. And when we start to emerge from this and the economy has taken such a beating, you things will be far more difficult as they return to normal and the economy is operating under a mindset that it can run roughshod over its people. So, uh, I mean, you know, we've given some ideas and next week I'm sure we'll have some others based on whatever the heck happens in the next uh, couple of days. But um, but stay really critical of, of the decisions that you're hearing coming from Justin Trudeau's bearded pie hole. <laughs> <laughs> Love. You think that guy eats pie? I think he eats pie. <laughs>